Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness, and we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. Hi, y'all. This is Reverend Anna Galladay, and we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for us to get our hands dirty. We're ready. Are you? Pastor, what is up? Dr. Robin, how the heck are you? Oh my God. So I'm no longer John the Baptist because I have this fancy, fancy fade going on. You do? Yeah. <laughs> you're not, yeah. yeah. But well, you you can still be my John the Baptist. You're just not going to look like you came out of the wilderness with that right, hair. Exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> no, no wilderness because we all know that I don't do the wilderness very well. But we, listen, we do I, have some, I have some exciting news for you. Oh, come on. We put together the grill yesterday. <laughs> I did a time-lapse video of it. I did it in my underwear and tank, but I've been on the web in my underwear before <laughs> for the boudoir photo. So I'm like, right. I'm not concerned about that. Right. Um, I'm going to throw it on the socials later, but we grilled salmon and veggies last night and ate outside. Look, friend, I am happy that you had a good meal, but can we talk about the fact that you actually got a tool out other than your own and 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 put and and put a device together like put so, an actual like thing that has to do something together i'm like i know you i know you think you you have evolved because you had to put ikea furniture together a few weeks ago but i'm uh i'm really impressed that you put a grill together well you did text me and you said that i was butchy so i was like <laughs> I'm gonna harness. I'm gonna harness this testosterone that I'm been injecting for almost a year and put together a goddamn grill. I, I mean, I'm I'm proud of you. I'm I'm not hating on it. I just think that I mean, our listeners know us well enough at this point that um, they should be equally as impressed as I am with your uh, mechanical and engineering prowess. Right. Yes. Well, right. let's just say. Let's just say that that's the last thing I'm putting together this year. Okay, I'm going back. I'm going back to my books. Yeah. Going back to my movies. Going back okay. to my introverted self. Yeah. But I am in my happy place that I have a grill. But of course, I went to bed last night thinking, "Oh my God, someone's going to steal the grill." And so I had really weird dreams last night and everything. But I woke up and the grill is still there. Good. You might have to chain it to something. Yes, I might have it's to. The same. I mean, yeah. you know. That those of us that live in the city, you know, we right. chain things down. It's what we have to do sometimes. <laughs> right, uh, right. Well, good. Well, good. Well, what's new with you? What's been going on? Um, I, I'm. I mean, I'm busy. I, uh, I have. I have ventured outside a little more than I have in the last two months because of the pandemic. My sweet little um, Ruthie Bader, doggy love of my life, her park opened um yes an amazing dog park that we go to and her park opened and it's outdoor and you know i'm we wear masks and we social distance and we sanitize to to the death and and they're really limiting the number of folks that can enter so if i mean it's it feels like a like an okay place for me to be Mm -hmm. um so it's outside and you know they're you're you're not you're not it's not like a regular gathering in a building where Correct. you're cooped up with Correct. people. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I got to take her. I've gotten to take her to the park a couple of times and she's so happy. I mean, it's just, it really is the place where she is the best version of herself and all of yeah. her little friends are there and yeah. she's like, you know, making friends again. She has had to be reminded of her manners though. Oh, Two months yes. into quarantine and she's like. What do you Lost mean? Every I can't, damn thing. I don't know. What do you mean? I can't bite their neck. I'm like, well, we do not bite the neck of the people we love. Right, I mean, right. that's that's a human rule as much as a puppy rule. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, you know, um, we we cat proof the front porch, and Frida loves being out on the front porch. I'm sure she she does. is she is so much happier here than she was downtown. You know, she's got space. She's getting her toys out and playing with her toys. 
So I just, and I can't wait for you to visit and can't wait to grill for you and hang out in person and drink bourbon on the front porch so I can I love it. I'm so excited. Um, Yeah, the more you drink bourbon, the more uh, beautiful and fun Instagram videos I get of you, which, you know, (laughs) is never a bad thing. Right. Yeah. But I digress. Friends, we have got, we've got a great episode for you today. I can't Um, wait for today. it's, it's going to be, it's really going to be so good. So one of the things that I was um, honored to participate in this past week was a virtual tour that was put on by um, Free Mom Hugs. And Free Mom Hugs was started by a Christian woman who lives in Oklahoma um, in the heart of flyover country uh, who has a queer son and uh, several years ago said to the world, um, I am a mother who believes that you are a valued human, regardless of who you love and who you want to marry. And if there is anyone that needs a stand in mom for their wedding, I would like to be that mom. Mm. And what that has parlayed what a powerful, I mean, right. I want that. I know, right? Um, but she's she's a remarkable human, and we are thrilled that Sarah Cunningham, the executive director of Free Mom Hugs, is with us today. Um, with us today. With us today. Uh, Sarah, we want to welcome you. We are so glad you are here. And um, uh, yeah, like, are you excited as we are? <laughs> I am hyperventilating at uh, this very thought of being uh, with you two today. I've been really looking forward to it because here's why. I've been on a Free Mom Hugs virtual tour where we have uh, just set the stage to really meet the masses where they are. And yes, we're going to do that, the three of us today. But I've seen a little bit or enough to know that there are no safe words here and that <laughs> there aren't. Um, I can tell you everything. And yes. so I'm really looking forward to this hour. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. Well, we're really glad you're with us. I think just to get started, I mean, of course, I gave everybody like the elevator version of no, your story. But I, I would love for you to just kind of start back um, at the beginning um, mm-hmm. when kind of what has what brought you to this place where um, you decided that you were willing to kind of step out into the public square and, and be this person, this mom who said enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how, what led up to this? Well, a, a lot of people may know me as the stand-in mom. Uh, That's a title that I've acquired over the last couple of years. But um, what what some people are just now finding out that there's a whole new element to this journey before that day when I posted that public service announcement that if your biological mom won't come to your same-sex wedding, then you call me. I'll be there. I'll be your biggest fan. I'll even bring the bubbles. That Mm. will viral and brought the attention of um, uh, the media to myself as a stand-in mom. But what they don't know is that um, in 2014, uh, well, I have a gay son. I have two children. Our youngest son is Parker, and he's gay. And when he turned 21, he said, Mom, I met someone, and I need you to be okay about it. And that was the day that he faced his biggest fear besides God himself. And that's me. And that's the day that I had to face reality that I have a gay son. We live in a conservative Mm. state. We raised our children in a conservative church. I did not take the news. Well, I acted in ways, thought some things and said some things that I regret even today. Mm. It was a journey that took us from the church to the pride parade without losing my faith. Uh, In 2014, I wrote a mother's memoir, How We Sleep at Night, and it's simply just how I I reconciled with my faith. It's a self-published book. Um, I have a 10th grade education, so you realize how limited your vocabulary 
is, but I wrote it for myself. I thought I was the only mother in the world having these thoughts, reconciling with my faith that my son was going to burn in hell. And Mm. it was um, a moment in time where I was frozen in my fear of the loss of my son and his salvation. So I had to re-examine everything that I believed. And in doing that, I got educated in uh, human sexuality, on the history, science, and then hearing from scholars and theologians who have done the work, like Kathy Baldock with Walking the Bridgeless Canyon and the work that she's doing now, to, um, to bring me to a place where I realized that um, scripture had been misinterpreted, misused, uh, yes. with the very best of intentions, uh, but has caused great harm to an entire community. So yeah. um, that journey um, landed me at the Pride Parade with my son, and I met an entire community that are just blocks away from where I live, and I found them to be beautiful and spirit-filled people. Mm and who had been alienated from their church homes, from their families, and from many parts of society here. So um, I don't want to, you know, get ahead of you or anything, but if you want, I'll keep going. But Yeah, no, I mean, I I am, so I I love the story of you and Parker. I love the way that you are, you know, fully self-effaced about the fact that you loved your, you love your son, but you said things that you still regret that you did things that you still regret. I mean, I, I often tell the story that I, you know, I mean, I've been on a, I've been on a, a journey of, you know, queer affirmation since I was an undergrad, but I still look back on some of the things that I said and thought in my twenties and I'm mortified. I'm so embarrassed that I could have ever, you know, been or said mm-hmm. those things. And and yet, you know, oftentimes it takes this, this moving of the earth for us to recognize that the foundation that we've built our lives on mm-hmm. either, either wasn't as stable as we thought it was, or was stable and was uh, not healthy. So we pick up and we move to a foundation that is. Uh, and so how, how did, how did Parker handle kind of those initial years of, and I, and if you can't speak for him, that's, that's fine. Um, but I'd love to know kind of how you have watched your relationship with him evolve through, through, uh, those, those initial years of, of him coming out. Yeah. Well, looking back on our lives during that time, Uh, I often use the phrase, he had to check himself at the door, not only in his own home, but uh, in our place of worship. And I feel like the only safe place for him at that time in his adolescence was probably school. And we've talked about this time and time. So uh, I don't want to speak for him, like you say, but um, we've shared enough to know that there were some safe people at school. And I'm so thankful that he had teachers. Um, I don't think they had a working GSA group at that time in his high school, but he had other students who were part of the community that, you know, he could confide in and, and feel safe in. So I'm just so thankful for that he had that. But it's my biggest regret that I, I lost an entire adolescence of celebrating him and really walking him through to, um, you know, to celebrate himself, you know, to um, embrace this part of our family together. So I, I do, that's my biggest regret. Well, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that I was talking to my therapist this past week mm-hmm. and, you know, I can't, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. I was born in the mid seventies and, you know, growing up, I knew I was different, but school wasn't a safe place for me to talk about who I am or anything. And, um, I would have loved the home or church to be a place Mm -hmm. that was a safe place for me to explore myself. And I'm really curious, you know, of course I, I did that when I left Texas and moved to Chicago for grad school, but I did that with friends, not within a faith context. And so 
I'm really curious how you cultivated faith and spirituality to support Parker and then how that faith and spirituality fuels your work to, to this moment. I think I could sum that up with uh, a letter that I wrote Parker. It's in, it's in the book, but near the end of the letter, I told him, see, Robin, you already got the waterworks going. <laughs> They're welcome here. Your, your <laughs> tears are sacred and they are welcome here. Yes, they yeah. are. You know what? Hold on one second. I have the copy of the book and the letters in the back of the book. Cause I, I just, cause I really do believe that this will answer that in a very beautiful way. And I want to try to share that. So sure. Um, this is the latter part of the letter. And uh, I love the fact that you recognize and embrace your own spirituality, your personal journey. Try to hold on to the good things that came from church life, not the lessons deemed out of ignorance or intolerance but hold tight to the lessons of love, grace, and mercy. I never met a person without a problem or a worry. Remember that everyone needs forgiveness and acceptance. Learn the difference between conviction and condemnation. Keep the Lord mm. close, enjoy God, and love Him as He adores you. And goodness is everywhere and in every living thing. Look for it. Mm. And I, I've done that. I mean, that's even for myself, really. Yeah, I love that. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, have you been able to reconcile your own faith um, since, since those days? Uh, what did it take for that to happen? Did you have to end up leaving the congregation that you raised your children in? I mean, were you or were you able to find... A, a resting place there with that community, even though so many things were changing? No, um, I left that place of worship completely um, for two reasons. There was a huge split coming anyway. And the split was happening about the same time that Parker was coming out as, as a gay man. Um, and so it was twofold and it was devastating on both accounts. Um, so now, as, as far as you hear the word triggers or triggering, there, for a long time after we left the church, there was so much alienation that the, even praise and worship songs, uh, certain preachers that I you know, spent my whole faith journey listening to, I just could not, um, it, was, it, was, it was just, I could not listen to them. I could not, mm -hmm. you know, right. worship songs. Everything like that just seemed like everything was just condemning to yeah. them, and it was triggering, and it took some time. And I like to say that it was the work, I think, of, of hearing from other gay Christians that really redeemed the gospel for me. And now I'll speak at churches who are on the fence trying to you know have that conversation within themselves, and I'll certainly be happy to, to share with them. But... Now, when I go, it's a fully affirming church. I ask, you know, myself and even other families is like, why would you give your tithe and your time and your energy to a church who's not honoring your child, right? Celebrating them for their spiritual gifts and on honoring their marriage is holy. Why? Now, there are some people who would argue that they're there for for the gay kids in that church, and I love that. I have a lot of United Methodist friends who are doing that. And they yep. stay there for them. And that's wonderful if you're called to do that. But I also say, if you're in a non-affirming church, I pray that you are pushing the envelope so much mm -hmm. that they're asking you to preach it from the pulpit or asking you to leave. Right. Yes. Yeah. There's no fence sitting when it comes to no. the worth the worth of people in the eyes of, of God. Listen, um, it's like know, there's, there's none. Yeah. It is a matter of life and death. And uh, it's very perplexing to me when I, when we have very dear friends and family who have seen what our family has gone through, what the community has endured, and that right. they still remain in that position. It's beyond me. And 
I read it on someone's page, but it says, if you don't hear the cry of the oppressed, then you are not listening. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. It's true. So you, your son comes out, you are kind of put through a a process of, of identifying what faith you are willing to hold on to and what faith you're willing to let go of. You move into a space where you become an affirming and fully inclusive mother to your, to your child and to the community there in Oklahoma where you live. Mm -hmm. How did free mom hugs find its way out of that? How was it, how was it birthed through, through that next, that next level of, of work that you were doing? Well, in uh, 2014, my husband and I stood with Parker and his friends at the Oklahoma City Pride Festival. And it was really my first interaction uh, with a community. I mean, I I thought I was okay with people being gay until it was our son. Then suddenly, mm-hmm. uh, it was the salvation aspect. To me, same right. sex just crossed that line. And I just, I really believe that my son was condemned to hell. Then that journey uh, through acceptance. And then again, my husband and I stood with him at the Oklahoma City Pride Festival in 2014. And then in I just started getting involved with the local PFLAG, the local uh, Oklahoma City Pride uh, organization, and just really meeting Parker's friends and hearing their stories. And then um, in 2015, I made a homemade button that read the words Free Mom Hugs. And I went to the Pride Festival, just not too far from where I live. And with anyone who made eye contact with me, I would say, could I offer you a free mom hug or a high five? And... Now, I'm not the first mom to offer free mom hugs at a Pride Festival. Right. Uh, in fact, I went home covered from head to toe with glitter that day. Yeah, I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it was amazing. But I also went home that day. With glitter, just, glitter, the STD of crafting. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I still have glitter in that car. Um, yes. But I also went home with real horror stories ringing in my ear. Um, the first young, beautiful woman I, I hugged, she said it had been four years since she got a hug from her mom. And then I met people living out of their cars and just people who'd been just devastated and alienated from their families, from their church homes, and again, from society. We have conversion therapy is still legal, sought out, and paid for here in Oklahoma, not far from where I live. Mm-hmm. And so it just it moved me it haunted me and from that experience birthed the organization the nonprofit free mom hugs and we started a small group of moms and dads and friends and allies here in Oklahoma City and we would hear of a need and it was much like church life you know in a congregation you hear of a need and you band together and you feel it yeah you know, right and and, and that's and your spiritual care, I mean, spiritual care was the gift you were providing um, under the guise of being uh, maternal and paternal figures for people that, you yeah. know, weren't weren't getting that support in other ways. Yeah. It's about being a loving presence in our lives. And in the congregation, in the church that we served for 20 years, if you saw a friend or family or, you know, congregant or, you know, person in your in your inner in, in your circle or not, I don't want to say circles, but you saw a person in need. If I didn't have it, I knew I could go to my brothers and sisters there and say, look, I saw this need. What can we do? Can you help? And we just fill it. No questions asked, no forms to fill. You did it if you had it. And if I didn't have it, I would find someone who did. So it's the same here. So we started helping with bus passes and gift cards for basic needs. And uh, soon I got involved with the transgender community here um, and just absolutely fell in love with this beautiful expression of human sexuality. And uh, we started helping with name changes and clothing closets and just, oh, wow. um, just helping with anything that we could. And we started a uh, uh, transgender Valentine's banquet that's always free to the community. And we just celebrate them and those who love and support them. And it's, it's just a wonderful night to make some really good memories. And we just started, you know, doing things that I wish someone would have done when I was trying to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. 
just, I mean, you're, you were, you were then, you were walking your, your talk. You were, you were moving. Oh yeah. I was running <laughs> my hair on fire well, is what know, I was doing. The way we talk about it here is yeah. getting our hands dirty. And you literally, you literally got your hands dirty with this community to which I belong. And you were helping us flourish. You were helping us live our best life. You were helping us live into our fullest potential. And I wish I would have had something like that when I was coming out and when I was coming to terms with who I was. Um, I didn't have that. And, yeah. and it's just amazing to me that you in Oklahoma City, in a red state, you took risk and you you lived out your spirit and you lived this life of love for those who are counted and canceled really in the world you in, in, instead of canceling people you called them in to be their fullest selves and man i love that well i think Robin. You know, I, I could say the same of you, dear, that I what I would have done to have met you mm. as the mother I was then, because I, I mean, I, I don't know your middle name, but I feel like if I had met you, I would have known and heard your story and it would have changed everything yeah. for, for my family dynamic. It would have changed everything because up until um, I went to a PFLAG meeting that I thought was for high schoolers and moms like me, and it turned out to be for the adult transgender uh, person. And I just fell in love. And I, I cried hot mm. tears going home that day uh, after hearing their stories. And I thought, I'm accountable mm. to what I know now. And, um, you know, what I would have done to, and up until that day, I'd never been in the mm. same room with a transgender yeah. person that I know of. And... So I think it's a, I think the transgender community um, is a, a beautiful expression of human sexuality that uh, I just, I, it's, it's verbally hard to express the, the emotion that when I think about what that community has faced and is facing and, um, and that they're, yeah, it's a grave, grave mistake. On all humanity. Well, and it speaks to the need for story in these days, right? I mean, you know, hearing mm -hmm. Robin's story, you know, likely would have changed your family's perspective on uh, what it means to be transgender and the humanity that comes along with it. Your ability to uh, know Parker before his coming out, but then also see him through it allows you to watch his story unfold in real time in front of you. And most people who, who learn of someone, uh, someone comes out as, as queer, they say, you know, I, I didn't, it, I didn't have to invest myself in this conversation until someone I loved or someone I cared for identified as something that that challenged my own my own knowing and it is in those stories that we become whole it is in those stories that we become fuller versions of ourselves and 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 that we unfold and peel these layers of onion back and i i just i love that storytelling has been such a, a vital part of this work for you well thank you stories do matter um, but you know, looking back, I didn't allow Parker to even share his story at the, at the, at the kitchen sink when he tried to have those conversations. I didn't equip him with yeah. the vocabulary to have that expression. That's why education yeah. is so important, um, that we equip our children to be able to verbally express what they are feeling and, <clears throat> and how they are identifying and, uh, to equip parents to, allow for that that space so education is key and what i would have done as well to have been able to go to my our pastor and say you know our family's dealing with this and you know i don't know how to walk through it and what i would have done to 
have them say, you know, I don't know how to help you, Sarah, but here's some resources. Here's here's some information that is faith-based because I needed right. to hear from someone right. who shared my faith that it's all right to search the matter out. And You know, Sarah, do. it reminds me of when I was coming to terms with who I am and coming out. I, I went to a Baptist university in Texas. I'm I'm from Texas. And and living in mm-hmm. West Texas and attending Hardin Simmons University, had I come out as queer, I could have been expelled. And so I was living this tension mm-hmm. of I feel different. I think I'm different. I have a partner. What do I do? And we ended up leaving and moving to Chicago and where I fully came out and everything. But it it took a great amount of effort of leaving my roots and leaving what I knew to be home for me to blossom. And and mm-hmm. it's such a sad story to me that I couldn't ground myself in what I called home, which was Texas and the community there and be who I really was that I had to leave everything I knew and including church. And, and I mean, of course I studied theology and I went on to become a theologian um, and have done a lot of advocacy work for LGBTQIA people, but for myself, to think about the work that you have done to create community, to create safe space and brave space for people to be themselves and who they feel called to be. I mean, what a gift because I had to do it in cafes and bars with people who were disconnected from a spirit mm-hmm. practice. And I had to find my way back to a spirit practice after I finished my PhD and was living in California. And that's a whole other story. But I guess my point is the way that you really curated space for people to be at home with themselves is something that I could have used when I was in high school and college and so forth. Oh, well, it's it's bittersweet for sure. It is, it is. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate yeah. what we have to leave behind to go forward. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, Sarah, when did the first wedding request come? When did the weddings start to become um, something that you that you fully embraced and and engaged in? Well, I. Interesting. Um, I let's see. You know, I love the power of social media. A couple started following me online, and um, after a couple, maybe a year or so, uh, they got engaged. And these are this is an older couple, and they sent me a private message and said, "Would you officiate our wedding?" And I had never been asked that. So I really had to search myself like, well, and I remember talking to my husband about it. And I said, well, what do you think? And he goes, I think if you want to do it, you should do that. And I said, well, okay. So I talked to a pastor friend and we were working on a project. And I said, say, how do you go about, a, you know, getting a license? And anyway, goes, Sarah, and he, we'd worked together on several projects, a local pastor here, uh, fully affirming he's uh, married. Uh, he and his husband run a church. Anyway, um, he said, I would love to ordain you. I've seen the work that you do, and I believe in in your mission, and please let me ordain you. So he ordained me so I could uh, officiate this beautiful wedding. And um, they had been together over 28 years and wow. uh, were getting older and decided they needed to consolidate some of their property. And to legally do that, they had to be married. And it's after the Supreme Court uh, released the bill to honor same-sex marriage. And so I did. And it was a wonderful experience. And I do consider same-sex marriage as holy. And uh, since then, I've I've traveled and officiated uh, wonderful, beautiful weddings. And 
Um, but through that process, I started hearing from the couples saying, you know, I don't know if my mom's going to make it. I don't know if my uncle's going to make it. Or, you know, my brother said he's going to sit out in the car when we kiss. And it was just like, mm. oh, my gosh, what is happening here? And I'm just seeing that grave disappointment on these beautiful couples. And, you know, mother's not even acknowledging the relationship, much less right. to come to the wedding. And that prompted the pros post out of frustration, I made that social media post. Like if your biological mom won't come to your same sex wedding, call me, I'll be there. And then that went viral. Mm. And from that, you got a really interesting message in your Facebook inbox that you did, that you didn't believe at first. Um, Tell, tell, yeah. Tell everybody who, who reached out to you via Facebook after that went viral. Yeah, after that went viral, I got a message uh, from Jamie Lee Curtis. And the text or the, you know, direct message said, Hi, this is Jamie Lee Curtis. I just, I'm not online very often, but when I have been online, this social media post keeps getting my attention. I want to hear more about it. Would you call me? And I t- text back. What? Yep. I said, OMG. I said, Wait a minute. I'm going to. First of all, pray that I'm not getting catfished and I'll call you. And so I did. And we had a lovely conversation and she proved to me that she was, in fact, Jamie Lee Curtis (laughs) uh, found out uh, about the book and she uh, read it and she loved it and she acquired the rights to the book. And now it's being made into a lifetime movie. And I just couldn't be more thrilled with the outcome. Wow, that's amazing. Like it's just, I mean, it makes me giddy inside. I, I mean, I am a, you know, I'm, I am all for, I mean, there are a lot of, in a lot of ways in which kind of our, you know, capitalist consumerist, you know, needs drive me crazy. Yeah. But for, but for, but for a, a, this human to human connection to have happened and for your story to now be on the, the precipice of, being told to the world because someone else valued the love you were showing. It, it, it's just, I mean, it just makes my heart do little somersaults. I just, I'm just so happy and thrilled for you and I, and Parker and, um, and, and I don't know anything about Jamie Lee Curtis, but she, from everything I've seen, like, I can't imagine a more lovely person to be, oh, to yeah. be doing this work alongside. Yeah. She's including you, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, Jamie Lee is a woman of integrity. And uh, I don't believe that she would even venture in doing this project if she didn't believe in it. Uh, uh and she's uh, believes in the mission of free mom hugs, and uh, I believe that she'll do it right. And the fact that she's directing it, um, mm-hmm. and it's her first debut to direct something is is my understanding. And so I'm thrilled. First of all, I'm thrilled. Heck yeah, we're making a movie. Hello, uh, yeah, right. Two, like yeah, yeah, like pinch me. <laughs> yes. And number two, and and are you starring in the film, or who's starring in the film as you? Uh, she will play me. She's playing, okay. me, directing me. Yes. Isn't that okay. amazing? Um, wow. So, uh, and I may have a little cameo in it. I'm hopeful. Um, yeah. But she, she's a woman of, a, of great integrity. And, but I'm, I'm thrilled that, that number one, it's happening. But number two, again, it goes back to what Robin said, what I wouldn't have done to, you know, there's a mom out there like me then who needs to hear from a mom like me now. Mm-hmm. And this story yeah. through the channel of the Lifetime Station, I believe will reach mothers and, and family yeah. home. And I'm hoping that it will just make that difference. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I said, what I would have done to have been sitting in my living room watching this and thinking, oh, my God, that's our story. Yeah. And to have permission to search the matter out. Sarah, so what's next for your work? Like what are, what, what, what does this year look like? Uh, I know that we're in very strange times that around, around the physical distancing, but what's the work of free mom hugs? What's the, what's the vision for it? What's the evolution of the work? Well, I would like to say, uh, cause you, you two have 
got me thinking that early on in the mission of Free Mom Hugs, yes, we were being a loving, we're being a loving presence in the lives of the community, and that's that's our main objective. But even more than that, I always try to bridge the gap. You don't spend 20 years in a non-affirming church without making really lasting connections, mm-hmm. uh, uh, just a strong sense of community. And so um, I tried to bridge the gap as I got involved with the with the LGBTQIA plus community and then with my mainstream conservative evangelical background and those connections of 20 years. I really Mm. tried to get those people at the table Yeah, Um, early on. It was my conviction to really try to bridge that gap. But I want to tell you, I could not get my evangelical conservative mainstream uh, community to the table. Mm. I could not get them to the table. And it I wish you, I could tell you that that surprises me, but it unfortunately it, it's it's a, it's a story that a lot of us a lot of us share. Yeah, and here you know, like not only when when you serve for twenty years, and then you as you become more affirming, suddenly your testimony is less than uh, your you know it just was devastating on so many levels. So trying to get them to the table, and no one came. No one. I could get. I could get people from the community who wanted to bridge that gap as well. That table was full and overflowing beyond frustrating. And I hope you can hear it in my voice. Yeah. um, So then the dynamic of free mom hugs kind of moved like, look, if I can't get people, if I can't get that community to the table, then I'm going to focus on the community that we're serving. And that was fruitful. And so mm-hmm. that's where our focus was and still trying to be approachable because I have to remember that we have moms on both sides. Yeah. So it's been finding a balance in free mom hugs where we're not known necessarily predominantly f- to be a religious group because uh, we are so forward in many ways in the dynamic. So we don't, right. You know, we may not always be recognized that way. I'm not trying to lose that label, but yeah. by the same token, I no longer identify necessarily as a Christian. I am a woman of faith now. Do you see? Right. Yeah. So the dynamic of free mom hugs is ever evolving to serve our community, the the community that we love and uh, the community to serve the community that we love best. That's the yeah. goal. And how many how many chapters do you guys have at this point? We have chapters in every state. Oh, that's every great. state, and we have um, extended that. I mean, we have chapters in Australia um, mm. that are very active, um, and we really felt like going into twenty twenty was going to be the year. We were had cha- every chapter was preparing for their pride. We got the movie with Jamie Lee Curtis. There's a Mama Bear documentary coming out. Um, you know, free mom hugs. We were just given an office space here in Oklahoma city donated to us. And we were opening, you know, getting that ready to open. And it was like, and then the world pulled the emergency break. (laughs) Entering into warp speed and Corona just pulled the freaking plug. So uh, who's doing the, who's doing the mama bear film? Derisha Kai. She's a friend of mine. Oh my goodness, we love her. We just yeah. put her on a panel. Yeah. yeah, she's been working. I think it's it's going into the fourth year on this Mama Bear documentary. Yeah. They follow Darisha has followed me on two tours, physical tours, and um, I just love her. She she went traveled with me and Parker to Laramie, Wyoming, and she was wow. on the first tour from Oklahoma City to Stonewall Inn. Mm. And I love the work that she's yeah, doing. Yeah, Darisha is amazing. Yes. Just does amazing work. And, oh, I'm so thrilled. And, and I know about that film. We we were at a documentary film um, kind of weekend in, in Durham, North Carolina a couple years ago. Well, so we were at this documentary thing. And we had a meal together with my film guy, Ben, who is also part of the Activist Theology Project. And we just got connected and... You know, we I've seen Darisha at Wild Goose in the past, oh, yeah. and 
Um, so I've heard about this Mama Bear film, and I was like, wait, I, I know about this. I think this is the same film that Darisha's working on. So that's so exciting. Yes, and you know what I love about that, Robin, is that it's going to meet an entirely different audience than the Lifetime film will. Right, You know exactly. So it, you talk about a double whammy, powerful yep. punch. I love it. I love it. I think it's going to knock the doors wide open. Um, so let me let me ask you this, Sarah. Yeah. Yesterday, yesterday was the the International Day Against Hate, um, against homophobia, against biphobia, against transphobia, and I posted on social media that what we really need is an ethic of love. Mm. That if we had an ethic of love, we could love ourselves into a better world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm wondering what you think about that. I believe that love is the answer. I believe it's exactly what we were created to do uh, and yeah. to lift each other up. You know, Jennifer Knapp has the song. She played it for the virtual tour, but it's um, a verse in it or a chorus in it. It says, and I lift you up like a loving cup and I pour down on all the world. And I think, I think when you are, participating in the faith of lifting each other up and truly celebrating everything that's within each other, that that is what we were created to do. Mm. Yes. I love that. So Sarah, how do folks, how are folks in touch with you? How can they get involved in an organization or a chapter in their own area what mm-hmm. what's the best way for people to kind of take the next step into advocacy and love uh, for the queer folks in their own communities that is such a wonderful question and the easiest answer um i can give you yet is at freemomhugs.org you can find everything there you can find your state chapter you can find resources um, you can become a reoccurring monthly donor you can uh, find merchandise there um, and everything is, is there, freemomhugs.org. And I do want to mention that the original Free Mom Hugs logo that is on our original Free Mom Hugs t-shirt is mm-hmm. a worldwide recognized symbol of Amazing. total acceptance. It's recognized worldwide and you don't um, need words. You, I mean, until we can get the all clear to hug again, you can wear that shirt and people know that you are celebrating them, that you are a safe person. And I love that. That's, yeah, I think, quite an achievement for the movement. Um, yeah. But you can find your, your uh, chapters there. And, you know, people think since the pandemic says, well, if I can't, you know, if we're not having pride, then what's the use? But you can still be active. I have seen such healing on through the power of social media on threads. You know, the we have, you know, members from the community coming and just following the Free Mom Hugs state page or the main page and just receiving mm-hmm. such encouragement there. That's that great. Sense. There's healing here. There's power through social media. There is. Well, Sarah, I can't thank you enough for taking a little bit of time out of your day and sharing your story with our listeners. Um, I mean, I, I think I, I speak for Robin when I just say a, a big, beautiful thank you. You are a gem of a human. And there, there are a lot of times where, you know, we are put in situations where, you know, God asks us to put up or shut up. And, you know, you put up in big, big ways and you've changed the lives of a lot of people. And that is, I I don't say that flippantly. I don't say it um, to, you know, to it all just, you know, blow smoke up your butt. I mean, it really is the case. You you have you have not only affirmed the life of your own child, but you have affirmed the life of thousands and thousands and thousands yeah. of humans. Oh, and, and there's just something to be said for that. So. Well, thank you both very much. I believe that uh, I really do believe that iron sharpens iron. And I believe that, um, you know, I have to say that at one time that, you know, that 
if if I if I really believe that my son was going to hell for being gay, then then I fought for him like my hair was on fire. I burned yeah. the sage, do you know? And now yeah. that I know what I know. I'm I'm fighting like my hair is on fire, and that's being accountable. Mm-hmm. And I I just don't know what else we can do, and what have we got to lose if we don't do that. Mm. So thank so, you guys for, for just doing what you do together. We're working to make the world better for everyone. And just know that I'm, I'm celebrating the work that you're doing and just praying you and lifting you up in a loving cup. Thank you. Thank you. And Sarah, when, when we can hug again, mm-hmm. when, when, when we get back to the future, I'd love to get a free mom hug. Oh, well, I'm saving the best just for you. Thank you. I'll send you a cyber one just right now. So brace yourself. Thank you. (laughs) All right, friends. Well, that does it for this week's episode. We are really glad that you've been with us uh, through the last few months. A reminder, you can engage with us on all of our socials at Activist Theology. Don't forget that Activist and Theology share a T. And if you are interested in supporting the podcast, um, we need your help. We'd love to have you engage with us and support us in ways that are not just by listening, but also in ways monetarily. Please go to the activisttheology.com website to learn more about how you can give. And we will be back with you next week. It's going to be a good one. You're not going to want to miss it. We say that every week, but it really is the truth. It's true. You it's don't want to miss it. You We're don't want to miss it. We, we are getting free. We are. All right, Dr. Robin, until next week. All right. Talk to you later, friend. Are you looking to connect the dots between what you think and how you live? Are you looking for a more robust way to be in solidarity with the movement? Are you looking to get your hands dirty with the work of social justice? Join Dr. Robin and Reverend Anna Galladay each week as they share, reflect, and analyze on pressing social concerns. Want to help support this podcast? Go to activisttheology.kindful.com and click on podcast. And remember, activist and theology share a T. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by our friends Delta Ray. Our sound editor and engineer is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds.